by this, we know that we are of the truth, and persuade our hearts before him, because if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have boldness towards God. So whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, even as he commanded. He who keeps his commandments remains in him, and he in him. By this we know that he remains in us by the Spirit which he gave us. Good morning, everybody. Man, good to be with family here today. Um, This thing's sticking out here. Uh, I don't know if you knew that thing. Close. So, uh, good morning. It's good to be here. It was kind of a little bit of emotional um, thing earlier with the kids, you know, up here. uh, Because, you know, my wife and I, we have three kids. uh, Elsie, Eleanor, Henry. I think that's their names. And... um, (laughs) You know, there was a time, there was a time in our life where the enemy was trying to tell us that we couldn't have kids. I'm crying for you, Danny, okay? So, uh, Danny's going to help me out today, so, but yeah, that's a, that's a powerful thing. Now she's going to school and she's going to do good. So, I'm used to... Uh, getting emotional in front of uh, the kids in the kids world, as Scott kind of said, uh, maybe one Sunday or two Sundays a month, I get an opportunity to speak uh, to our kids, which um, I know Scott, he kind of has a role here at the church, but I would say the people who are back there maybe have a little bit of a greater role um, in the kingdom than, what, than even what he has. And that's not to like puff those people up, but that's just the importance of teaching our kids and raising our kids. To me, like that becomes you know, that, that has become probably my number one priority besides following Jesus, doing the things he's commanded us to do, uh, which, is, which is included in that. Um, it's, it's, it's helping our children. That's the greatest resource. Even the people um, who aren't believers, they know that the children are our greatest resource. They know that. We know that. Everybody knows that. The children are, a great, are uh, an incredible part of the kingdom. And uh, so I'm very, I'm very blessed to be able to speak to them. Um, and, and do a couple other things here in the church. My wife and I, we've been going to this church for quite a while. I think my wife is 35 years old, which I can tell you that. And so she's been going to this church for about 36 years. Uh, that's kind of one way to kind of keep track of how long she's been coming, how old she is plus nine months. And so anyway, um, we're super blessed. And our, our fit, a lot of our family go here. Um, and speaking of our family recently, uh, some of you may know my brother, Logan, uh, my little brother, uh, Logan, who's uh, very tall. And uh, he, he got married out in, in Colorado this past week. And uh, we took a vacation up to Colorado. It was in Denver. It was a beautiful wedding and, and so many different things um, involved. And we love uh, his, new, his new wife, Heidi. But um, we decided that we were going to do this road trip style up to Colorado. 
And uh, I kind of mentioned earlier, I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old, okay? And when you're driving a minimum of 18 hours in a car, uh, along with your in-laws um, and other family, I mean, I don't know if any of us have seen the National Lampoon uh, vacation, Chevy Chase uh, vacation. I mean, that movie's funny because it's like it hits hard in so many different ways, um, dealing with, you know, that, that'll really test your faith. When you're in the car with a 10-month-old and he, you can't reason with him and you can't explain, uh, you know, you start to feel like maybe you're having a Job moment that God might have forsaken you and uh, uh, you're alone. I would tell you you're alone in that car. Um, and I guess, Lauren, that kind of makes you my cousin Eddie in this. If I'm the Chevy Chase, you're kind of my... Lauren and Stephanie went as well. And, you know, going with family, that's, that's a great time. It reminds me of a, a story that I heard about a young couple um, that uh, decided to go on a vacation together. And uh, on this vacation, they decided, the, the husband decided to invite his mother-in-law on vacation. They decided to go to Israel and they went and saw many amazing, you know, historical sites in Israel and just got to eat wonderful food and do all these great things. But unfortunately, towards the end of the trip, um, the mother-in-law unexpectedly passed away. And uh, it was tough. It was very tough. The wife obviously was taking it very difficult, losing her mother. And, uh, you know, being in a foreign country, they didn't know all of the, the different things, but they came to him and they said, the, uh, the hotel they were staying at had uh, some arrangements that they could help make. And they came to him and they said, listen, we can ship your mother-in-law home, but it's going to cost you about $20,000 to ship her home. And, or we, if you would like, we can bury her here. And, and, and because of this tragic situation, we'll do it for free. And so um, anyway, they kind of do it. And, and the husband steps up and said, I'm willing to pay the $20,000. I'll do whatever it takes to, you know, have my mother-in-law get home and, you know, get her taken care of. And so on the flight back, the husband and wife are talking and the wife is just telling the husband how much it means to her that the husband was willing to pay all this money. And she's like, man, I just see how much you truly love, love me and love my mother-in-law. And it just means the world to me. And the husband said, well, that's true. But they did bury Jesus in Israel. And three days later, he rose again. So we can't take any chances. We need to make sure we get him back to, that, uh, to the States. It's less, less likely for a resurrection there. So, All right. That's enough introduction stuff. Uh, so... Uh, Scott kind of mentioned it. If you've been here for the past few weeks, we've been going through the book of 1 John and kind of uh, what I like to say is kind of like uh, expositionally, like teaching it kind of verse by verse um, and, and just trying to figure out what the scriptures are really telling us in a, you know, uh, a chapter form, uh, you know, less topic, topical or, you know, there may be other ways to, to, to speak. And so, um, I think it's clear to most people here uh, in this, just talking to me in the past few minutes. I'm, I'm not a biblical scholar, okay? Uh, I'm not a theologian by any means. I'm not a Greek expert. Uh, so a lot of those things, I'm, I'm kind of more of a practical, uh, practical guy. I, I did get a piece of paper from, some might consider it 
it's for sure the most prestigious uh, school in the state, maybe in the country, perhaps the whole world. I can't speak for every university. But uh, if you give the University of Houston enough money, they will give you a piece of paper uh, that tells you uh, you're a graduate from there. And so I gave them as much money as I could and uh, just barely made it. Um, but as far as biblically, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, super learned guy. So why did Scott ask me? I don't know. Uh, but the text that we're talking about today is actually rarely, uh, is fairly simple. Okay? When I say simple, that doesn't mean easy, um, because I think those are two important distinctions, right? It's easy sometimes to understand, but sometimes hard to do, right? And so we're going to be looking through some of that today, where it's like, hey, that kind of makes a lot of sense, but then when we're in real life applying those things, it can be rather difficult. Um, And I would say today uh, is also very much similar to if we were at a seminar where we were going to learn about the negative effects of drugs and how uh, detrimental they are to your life, that uh, we brought a heroin addict up to uh, here who had recently injected themselves about five minutes prior to the uh, message, and then that person was telling you the negative effects of drugs. Because I, I just wanted that to be like lay the foundation to be clear that this isn't something where I'm speaking from a high place of like understanding or um, ability to, to fully grasp it in my own life. Uh, to be honest, we're speaking on this because Scott told us we have to do these uh, specific scriptures. <laughs> Um, no, but I think it's good. I, I'm super happy. I just want to make sure, like, you know, like, hey, this guy is not uh, speaking from, from that. But I will say, in Scott's defense, and maybe in my own defense a little bit, uh, I am a follower of Jesus. Amen. I, and I can confess that. And um, I'm a witness to the love of God and the transforming power of him. And I'm committed to do that for as long as I'm here. As long as I'm alive, ticking and breathing, I've committed to that, and uh, I've seen the benefits of those things. So although I may not be all of these other things, I will say I'm this. And so we can start from there and, uh, and keep moving. So um, I may, be, may have a little bit of different point of view than some, but I don't believe that the Bible is a history book. Um, and I don't believe it's a self-help book. And I don't believe it's a book of fables or stories, although it does have history in it, although it does, it, it will help you in your life, and it does have stories, some that are, you know, phenomenally well-written, and some that will blow your mind in terms of just how is this even possible. That is all true, but I believe that the Bible's primary purpose is to impart the wisdom of God and his love Um, and to bring us in relationship with him. That's what I think. That's what I think. So whenever I'm reading that, uh, I'm I'm trying to understand the wisdom of God, and not necessarily always just about me and how it applies to me, but how it's bringing in relationship all of creation. All of creation is meant to, to be with him. And so when I'm looking at it from that lens, there are a lot of challenging parts uh, to the Bible. Right? There's a lot of things I think we all know. There's some, there's some passages where I'm like, man, that's tough to understand or that's tough to agree with. And maybe certain things it's like, man, I wish it was a little bit different. Um, I think if I had the wisdom of God, though, I might, not, I might see it a little bit differently. I do think it's important to remember that God's word transcends time 
And his love not only transcends time, it reaches out, up, around, in the darkest of corners, in the darkest of rooms, in the darkest of scenarios that any of us may be going through, God's love can reach us through that. And in a primary way he reaches us is through his word. It's through his word. And that's, a, and that's good. I want to tell you a personal story. Uh, it's actually about an uncle of mine that I have. And uh, my uncle has is, is kind of got an interesting story. He grew up in a uh, pretty rough uh, childhood. His biological father uh, died in a plane crash when he was only two years old. And uh, so never really knew his own father. Uh, you know, they struggled for a long time. My grandmother did, making ends meet. And uh, he ended up going, serving um, in the military in Vietnam and was, you know, as many of, as many of the people here um, did. And uh, he had a pretty difficult time with it. Uh, he, I think he saw a lot of things. He, he, he hasn't really told me a lot of it. Um, I, I know from some stories I've grasped here and there from, from family members that uh, he, it wasn't an easy time uh, for him. And uh, kind of came back with a lot, of, a lot of maybe physical wounds, but more emotional and uh, had, had, a, had a lot of challenge. Anyway, long story short, he, th- this uncle of mine uh, has probably said maybe 35 words to me my entire life. Uh, we've been around, he's a very quiet, he's just very quiet, very to himself, um, and can be a little bit of a difficult person to be around sometimes. And uh, later in his life, he met a wonderful, sweet lady, and uh, her, she went by Tootie. And uh, my Aunt Tootie was just so wonderful, so sweet, was always so kind to me and my family. And uh, you know, but I think she also had a really rough uh, upbringing as well, a lot of trauma in her life, and, um, but was just always so kind to me. And so I struggled uh, understanding, like, how this worked. Uh, a guy who was kind of rough and gruff and, you know, could be a little um, difficult to be around, could be around somebody who was so sweet and so kind, and uh, we never, you know, our family kind of was like, what, what does she see? But thank God she does, you know, he, he needs somebody. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of that to say she wasn't a believer um, at a certain time, but uh, over the past few years, she started going to another one of my uncle's church. Uh, here he's a pastor at a church, and so she was going there, and after a period of time, she ended up giving her life to Christ for the first time, and we're, and we're talking about in the, maybe like 70, in her 70s at this point, for the first time giving her life to Christ, understanding the love of God. You can definitely just see a transformation happening in her. Unfortunately, earlier this year, my um, uh, my, that my Aunt Tootie, that she, she passed away. And, um, you know, it was incredibly sad. And, and we had a, they had a funeral for her. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a smaller, uh, smaller funeral. And so some people had an opportunity to speak. And uh, I think her brother and her sister came. And uh, it was at the local church that she had been at. And they, they were talking to her. And, uh, or they, they, they were talking to the, the other family. And uh, anyway, during the service, my uncle, who's the pastor, uh, just said uh, he noticed that her, I believe it was her brother, was sitting in the uh, chair where my Aunt Tootie had, uh, was sitting when she decided to raise her hand and give her life to Jesus and decide to follow him. And he said, I can just remember that day when she was sitting right there in the chair. And, uh, you know, man, it was like a very touching moment. Wow, that's, you know, just remembering her. And maybe some of you guys have some family members like that that you remember. Uh, It was interesting, though, because towards the end, her her brother stood up 
and, and made a comment and just said, I'm so glad that my sister uh, was married to Buddy, uh, who's my uncle. She said, I'm so glad. And uh, like I said, this guy's a difficult, a difficult person. She said, I'm so glad. She said, without being married uh, to him, she may never have met you, any of you here. She may have never met Jesus. And, you know, in a situation where my, my one uncle, uh, as, far, as far as I can tell, um, is, not, is, not a, is not a believer. But God can still use people. He can use anything. He can use anybody. He can reach anybody no matter where you are in, in your life and, and any person. So kind of similar to um, what Miss Joy was saying earlier, to be able to walk boldly and courageously. God can use anybody. His love transcends time. It can reach out, up, around, in to wherever it needs to go. So, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, which is actually not the scripture that Scott wanted me to start with, but it's one of my favorite scriptures, and it's the one right before the one that he wanted me to start with. So he actually spoke on this one two weeks ago. Um, but it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Um, and like New Living Translation, it says, like, do not merely love, do not only love with words and speech, but in actions and in truth. And this is John letting the reader know that words can be empty sometimes. But true love shows up. Talk can be cheap. Um, I like to say, th like in, in my vernacular, I might say, let's not talk about it, let's be about it, right? And so that's a lot about, I think, what John is, is saying here. And I think it's important also to remember um, there's another passage in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, and uh, it might show up on, this, on the uh, screen there, yeah. And it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices and mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And I think that those two scriptures have uh, some similar meanings, right? Because if we go back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, let us not only love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. So it does, it's not saying do not use words to tell people that you love her, which is, an, which is an important part, right? Because I think maybe some people might be able to relate to this. I, I don't think there's anything that I wouldn't be willing to do for my children, right? I'd be, most of us would be willing to do so many different things, right? And I work, uh, my wife and I work hard to provide shelter for them, to be able to provide clothing and food and, you know, maybe some activities for them to be able to do so they can enjoy their life. And, and we do all of these things because we love them and we care about them. But if I do all of those things, but I don't tell them that I love them, we may also be missing part of the point, right? It, it has to work both and both, right? You can't just do the words and not do any of the actions, but you can't just do also just the actions and not the words and the follow-up and the encouragement and all those things that our children need from us, right? So it's important to take both matters of the law. So I'm, some of you may be asking this question. You may be asking this question right now. How do we know if we're in right relationship with God? probably asked that just now. How um, do we know or how can we have our hearts feel at rest? 
how do we know if we belong to the truth, right? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 19 says, this is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts to rest in his presence. So this is setting up this upcoming next couple verses of how we will know um, that we belong to the truth, that we belong to God, that we are in right relationship with him, and how our hearts can be rested, how we can be, we, we can be at peace in his presence. Because some of us may be act, you know, asking ourselves, I've done different things in my life. It's hard for me to be at peace because I've, I've done this, I've said this, I've shown myself to be somebody that I'm not proud of. Uh, I can put myself in that category. But this scripture is setting up the following scriptures, which I think this is where we're going to spend a lot of our time today. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So, the condemnation that it's talking about here is, uh, is really kind of more like a pronouncement of guilt that you might hear from a judge at the end of a trial. Okay? Guilty. Right? Many of us know that we are guilty of a lot of things. And if you don't know, we, might be, we can talk about it afterwards and I'll let you know some of those things, right? But Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says, Even the Gentiles, or even those who aren't Christians, who do not have God's written law, show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience, thoughts, and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing right. So, there's kind of two parts to, to this condemnation form. Like, there's a condemnation that a lot of us talk about, and, and there's, this part of condemnation does not come from from God. A shame, a, a guilt, a, a pain that, uh, you know, tells us that we're not worthy. That does not come from God. Now, there is a conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit when we are doing, you know, when we're doing things that are not aligned with his commands or his laws or, you know, the ways that, that, uh, that we're all agreeing to. But the, in the first sense of the condemnation, that's kind of a guilt. That's like a, that's sin that has grown roots and enslaves us or puts us in bondage and keeps us from doing the things that God's called us to do. So I, as, we were, as I was studying for this passage, I, I came across a story about a, a young man um, and his sister who went to um, their grandparents' house for the summer, okay? And part of their, uh, their time, their grandparents each gave them a gift and the, and the grandson received his his first BB gun, okay? And I can kind of remember uh, when my friend, uh, my parents didn't trust me, rightfully so, with a BB gun, but uh, I remember when my friend got a, a, a BB gun and it was a pump action and we, it took everything inside of us to be able to close the pump uh, because we were probably only seven or eight and we were just so proud of it. But anyway, this grandson, um, he received a BB gun and, and he thought he was just this wonderful, beautiful, um, you know, gift to shooting, and uh, he was setting up all these targets and, and really practicing. And one and, and one morning, uh, he he snuck around a corner and he saw um, a few of his grandmother's prized um, duck lane or their egg lane ducks. And um, 
and, and so, uh, you know, against better judgment, the grandson decided to uh, take aim, thinking I probably won't be able to hit it. Um, unfortunately for him, he did hit the duck square in the head and uh, he killed the duck. And uh, it's, it's sad. And uh, he was very scared and was looking around to see if anyone, he thought he got away with it. But his sister, his sister happened to see him shoot this duck. And so anyway, uh, you know, the sister was like, ah, you know, I've, I've got you now. And so um, at one point, the grandfather later in the day asked the grandson, hey, would you like to go fishing with me? Um, and uh, the, 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 the sister said, well, he would love to, but he needs to help grandma and, uh, you know, make dinner. And then, and, you know, and obviously, you know, she had this over him where he could not go and, uh, and, and go fishing with his grandfather. He had to go make dinner. Otherwise, his sister was going to tell. And so anyway, there was multiple situations like this where the sister held the power in this and would not let him, you know, do the things that he wanted to do because she had the knowledge of his sin. So, um, Eventually, this, the grandson uh, just grew tired of this charade and went to his grandmother and said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. I have to tell you because I can't stand my sister holding this over me any longer. I shot the duck and I killed the duck. And the grandmother said, I know, son. I saw you do it. She said, I was just waiting to see how long you would let your sister hold that over you. And I think that's true in a lot of ways with us. The enemy is going to see how long are you going to let your condemnation, the sin of your past, the sin of the things that you've done, enslave you and keep you in bondage, right? Because really, the Father, the Heavenly Father, He's already forgiven you. He saw it. He knew it before. You know, as it was happening, He knew it. But you chose to keep yourself in the bondage of those things. And again, if I do this, I'm just letting you know I'm injecting myself with a drug because uh, I'm guilty of this exact same thing, right? So, conviction comes from, this, from the Spirit of God, but the shame and the guilt, that does not, right? So, God is greater than those sins. God is greater. And it says he already knows that thing. So he already knows it, and he's already bigger than it, so you might as well ask for forgiveness, move on, and not let that thing have any power over your life Amen. any longer, right? And I mean, here's a fun exercise to do. The, you know, this is super fun. Is think about like the three worst things you've ever done in your life. Let's think about those real quick. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a fun uh, experiment, is it? Thinking about those things. But whatever those things are, God is greater than those things. God is greater than those things. So, Those things should not have power in our life. Right. I don't know if you guys remember this. Um, there, there was a movie that came out in the 90s. It was very popular. Um, it was called Schindler's List. Um, very powerful movie um, about World War II and, and kind of the concentration camps and the Nazis and, and all of this. And uh, I, I, if you haven't seen it, I wouldn't, it's not like a fun Friday night watch uh, by any means. Um, but it's a powerful movie that demonstrates a lot of things. And um, I remember when I first watched this, which was probably in the 90s, I immediately thought of, of Jesus. And I don't know if, if everyone thought this or, um, or whatever, but there was a, um, a scene in the movie where uh, Liam Neeson— 
um, who's playing Oscar Schindler in the movie. Um, and, and just a real quick synopsis, Oscar Schindler is a German uh, who's like kind of saving Jews from the concentration camps by having them kind of like quasi work for him in his shop and they were kind of doing things to uh, kind of uh, divert the Germans and some of the actions that he was doing. End up saving like hundreds of Jews from, uh, from being slaughtered. And so um, anyway, he, he had to maintain relationships with these German uh, commanders. And uh, one of the times he's speaking with a guy, a commander named Eamon. And Eamon makes a comment that said, um, control is power, right? He says control is power. And, uh, and Liam Neeson's character, Oscar Schindler says, uh, that, that's, not, that's not power. Being able to control somebody, that's not. I mean, you have the laws and everything that support you and back you out. What he says is power is when you have every justification to kill and we don't, right? He wasn't suggesting that the Germans were right by doing this, but he's saying according to the, the laws that they had set up at the time that they had the justification to do what they were doing. And Eamon's confused by this and he says, you think that's power? Um, and, and he you know, Oscar Schindler goes on to talk about how um, that there was an emperor and a man stole something and he brought it before the emperor and, and, and uh, he's brought in and he begs for his life not to be killed and the emperor pardons him and uh, allows him to live. And Oscar Schindler is trying to tell him that like, that's true power is to be able to like not necessarily like have to abide by those laws, but to be released from those laws, that is true power. And to me, when I, I remember this even as a, young, as a young man, remembering, man, that is exactly how Jesus is, right? He doesn't choose to control us. God doesn't choose to control us. But what he does offer you is he offers us a way from the bondage of sin, which is the wages of sin, is death right? So he offers us a way. True power is the opportunity to take those, uh, those laws that you have to live under and allow you to overcome those laws. And, I, and I, was, I was just reminded of that this weekend, that those thoughts, those condemnation thoughts that come, that come against us, God is bigger than those things. Now, I'm doing something a little bit different today. Um, uh, I'm going to invite a, a friend up to share a message, uh, a short message with us. Uh, this, uh, this is Danny, and, and, and Danny's one of my very good friends. Teaches me constantly how to be a good friend. Um, I've learned a lot from him. He has an amazing testimony of his life, about how God saved his life. Even multiple times God saved his life. And uh, I'm excited to be a friend of his uh, for many reasons, but one including, I, I think they are going to make a movie about Danny's life one day, and I might be like a minor character in that movie, and I'll be able to say, hey, that was me, because of just some of the miracles that have truly happened. Danny, come up here, buddy. Uh, uh, if you don't, can you speak today? you mind uh, speaking with us? <laughs> Share, share with us a little bit of, uh, of some of your testimony here. Hello, guys. I'm Daniel. I don't know if I know most of you. <laughs> but um, so have you guys ever had that when God does something amazing in your life? And then you just turn around and you're like, God, I got it from here. Thank you for everything you've done. So I did that. <laughs> I didn't learn the first time. He doesn't give up on you. So I uh, started having, after that, I started having problems with alcohol and started dealing with all that, started feeling ashamed that I shouldn't be doing this, regretting every, every time I would go out, 
regretting it the next day, praying to the Lord to take this from me. And he's like, go to church. And I was like, I can't go to church because everyone's perfect there. And they walked the straight line and you're not there. And I had that, that constant guilt of every week. It's like, oh, Sunday's getting closer. You got to go to church. And it's like, no, no, you're not worthy. And I know that now I know that that wasn't from the Lord. It was just getting attacked. And it, I dealt with this for the longest time. And then I finally said, you know what? It doesn't matter. God wants me there. I'm going to go there and just go see what happens. And I got here, and I felt the love of the Lord, and I felt the love of the church to see you here every Sunday. And that love just draws you in, and it wants to come back. Well, when you're struggling with things like that, you can't hang out with people you used to hang out with because they drink, and you're trying not to drink. You don't feel worthy enough to hang out with the people at church because you were a drinker. And, but that love in the church that just invites you back and sometimes you pull away from everyone because you're ashamed of what you've done. And the only people I saw and felt emotion from was people here at the church and you feel that love and that love keeps bringing you back and you feel the love of the Lord and it just starts, you start realizing that yeah, that doesn't make you who you are, but it helps you, it brings you to church. And it's the, love of the God, it's the love of God, it's the love of the people. So just that love is what is really important to me. And everyone's heard that saying that hurt people hurt people. I believe that as a church, we can change that to love people, love people. Because that's what really... That's what really changes. And that's what really... You don't know what people are going through. And just showing them that love and affection that God tells you to show people will really change people's lives. Because I know it firsthand because that's literally what it did for me. It's just God's love and it's really important. And I love each and every one of you. Ah, thank you for everything. Sorry, it's just... <laughs> I mean, that, that's just kind of a fraction of uh, what, what Danny has to share. He's an amazing man, and uh, I'm very grateful to have, uh, to have him in my life. And so, um, yeah, I, I appreciate parts of uh, uh, your story so much, Danny. I, I met Danny around 11 years ago. Uh, almost 11 year, years ago, coming up in like a month or two, uh, he, he had, uh, we, we met in the bridge. Uh, Scott, remember that we had the bridge, uh, which was kind of a young adult ministry that we had. And um, met Danny, and we kind of hit it off right away talking. And then all of a sudden, we did not see him for months. And uh, we did not know, uh, you know, hey, maybe I guess he just didn't work out, or he thought, you know, we were weird, which we were weird, but we thought, like, we could get, <laughs> I thought he was also weird like us, and so anyway, but long story short, actually he died, uh, and that's no joke, actually more than once, and, uh, and I don't want to share like all of his story, but just what the Lord has brought him through, and, uh, and so, but then in that story that he's talking about is that condemnation and that shame that does not come from the Lord, right? All of us have that opportunity to not feel that. I mean, there are, of course, there are uh, commandments and things that we are to follow, uh, but as we're going to learn here, um, some of these are more important than, than others. And so in 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, 
We're switching gears a little bit. It says, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence to go before God. Um, if we have a pure heart, if we have pure intentions, we can come boldly, as Miss uh, Joy, we can come boldly before God, right? Because of our, of our pure heart, right? So it's kind of saying on both sides. They're like, if you fall under the category where your heart is condemning you, God's got you, you're loved, and he's with you. But if you're on the other side and your heart is not condemning, you have pure intentions and, and a pure heart, he's also with you. So as long as you fall in one of those categories, then you're in, you're in good shape. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, uh, I'm going to read just the 20, or I'm sorry, I'm reading 22, but uh, I'm going to read 21 again. So dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything that we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. So this is one of my favorite scriptures because this scripture is telling us that, that God is really just a cosmic vending machine for us to give us like whatever we ask for, <laughs> right? And he's kind of like a, a real life genie that we can just like rub a lamp and five million dollar house sitting right in front of us, right? Is that what he's saying here? That's not really what he's saying here, right? He's, he's saying that if your heart does not condemn you, meaning if you have a pure heart and you are doing the things that he's called us to do, you have confidence to become before him to ask for things that the world cannot provide. The true things that our hearts really desire. You can get those things. Because a lot of times we think we want these certain things, like we think maybe a, uh, and I'm using a house as an example, but like maybe that's going to solve all of our problems. Or uh, if we're married and we don't have any kids yet, maybe if we have a kid, that's going to solve all of our marital problems. And that's like my favorite joke to tell somebody who's uh, married is like, if, you, if your marriage is struggling, just have a kid, like that fixes everything. Because uh, it does not fix everything. Uh, obviously, it even magnifies issues that may already be there. So, um, but it's not, it's not, God is not a cosmic vending machine, right? It's not whatever like our little hearts can, you know, our selfish little hearts can come up with. Because if you're coming at it from a selfish point, then you don't really apply to the, you know, to the beginning part of this scripture. If you're thinking selfishly about the things that you are. So, what are things that our heart truly desires? And I think this is probably uh, true amongst people who are believers who, uh, and followers of Christ who don't believe in God, who maybe believe in other religions. I think they're pretty much all, they all have these same desires. At least that's what I think. Um, and I think one of those is peace. A lot of times we want things because we just want peace. We want a better job because we don't want to financially have to worry anymore if we're going to be able to provide, uh, you know, be able to put gas in our vehicle. That's a lot of times why we want a better job. And in wanting a better job, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But peace is really what you want in that situation. If you had peace and you still had kind of a, of a bum job, that's okay. We can get through a bum job. But peace is what we want. Another thing, forgiveness. Many of us want forgiveness for things that we've done in our past, including myself. Very much so. Joy. Many of us want joy. Healing in our bodies. Healing in our minds. Hope. We want mercy. We want grace. All of these things. The world cannot offer us those things. They can offer us cheap substitutes of the real thing, but they only last for a short period of time. 
God is, is, is saying here, the true desires of your heart, if you are followers of me, I can give you. I don't, I'm not here to tell you that you're going to get the Ferrari of your 16-year-old dreams. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily even up to God. But I am here to tell you that God is offering you the true desires of everybody's heart. So, what are the commands that he tells us? Because he tells us in the previous scripture there, um, if, because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. So it's important to remember um, what, please, like, what are his commands. And in, verse, uh, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, uh, he kind of tells us what his commands are. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he's commanded us. So those two things, if we do those two things, all of those other like true desires of our heart, he can provide. Oh, another thing I didn't tell you that he can provide us, that the world can't provide us, as I've been looking for it for a, little, for a while, uh, is purpose. God can provide you a purpose. And a lot of times that's all we want, is we just want a purpose, a reason to like, you know, get going and, and accomplish things and do stuff, right? God can provide that. But He's asking us two things. Fairly simple to understand. Remember, we kind of talked about this earlier. Fairly simple to understand. Sometimes uh, very difficult to enforce. Now, for me, and, and, I, and it's maybe because of some of my upbringing, but like the first part, to believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and to love God, to me, that's the easier one. Uh, the second one, it can be hard sometimes, right? I think we can, maybe some of us can agree to it. But I have to admit that there's probably some other people here who the first part might be a little bit harder, right? Because we, um, there's certain justifications that we might have of why, why did God do this or why did God do that? So I can, I can understand that. I can appreciate that. That's not necessarily the case for me, but um, man, loving one another, that can be a challenge. And sometimes it can be... Uh, the hardest to love the people that we love the most, or that we say that we love the most, right? I was having a conversation um, with a, of a mentor of mine, and he asked me, he's like, like a, a scale of like one to ten, how would you rate your marriage? And uh, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a complicated thing, right? Because obviously there's a lot to, you know, there's a lot to uh, work on and improve, um, especially on, on my side. And so, you know, it was a very difficult question, and I asked him the question of why is it that sometimes I'm willing to be the rudest or say things to the person that I would say I love the most, uh, which I would say in the entire world, in the physical world, the person I love the most is my wife, Pam. I would say I love her more than anybody, even, unfortunately, more than my kids, uh, and, I, and I think that's to the benefit of my kids, uh, that I love my wife. But... Um, unfortunately, sometimes I'm willing to say things to her that I probably wouldn't say to Scott or uh, to Dale or I might say it to Dale, but uh, no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. No, but it, sometimes it's easy for me to be, to show love to those people and then hard to show love to those people around me. And sometimes it's because um, I'm not necessarily hearing my wife. Uh, she says I don't listen to her. Um, I hear that every time, uh, for some reason. <laughs> There's a credit there. Um, but, um, but sometimes I, I think I'm showing her. I think I'm showing her love, 
Um, but really, she's saying, what I'm thinking is she's saying, she's saying you know, love me, do, provide, do whatever you can, you know, whatever. And she's saying, just pick up your underwear. And <laughs> I'm trying to solve different problems sometimes in like what she's asking. She's asking me to pick up the underwear and I'm saying, yeah, I'm loving you in this way though because I did this. And um, she's like, I don't really care if you could just do this. That would really show uh, me love. And I think that's kind of true in a lot of our relationships, you know, with others, right? It's not just like how we selfishly want to be loved or how we selfishly want to love these people uh, that are in our lives. I think one thing that, like, we should probably do, like, we should probably do it every day in our personal life, but maybe even every Sunday. We should read 1 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 and 7. It's, it's like one that's, like, very popular at weddings, and, you know, we hear all of this kind of stuff. But this is what God's commanding us to do, and he's saying these are the two most important things to do, is to love God and love others, which we talk about consistently in here. And here he tells us what love is. Right? So it's important. So it's like almost like we should have a daily refresh, a daily like shower. Most of us take showers daily, uh, hopefully. And so if, this is almost like a scripture uh, that we should wash ourselves with every day. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you can put it on the screen, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. That's, all right. So, not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love is, self, love is not self-seeking or pleasing. It goes on to say that um, love never ends. Right? So it's like those, those things every day, like if you got like a sticky note or you got whatever your Bible, you know, notes or something— it's almost like this is a good one to read every single day. And maybe you already know it. Maybe you just say it every day and just remind ourselves because I'm pretty sure all of us can kind of find where we struggle in particular in some of these and maybe in, in, in almost on all of them, right? Just depending on what day it is. So he's commanding us to love God and love one another. So 1 John chapter 3 Verse 24 says, The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. So if you keep those commands, love God, love one another, he lives in you. Or you live in him and he lives in you. Does that make sense? If we do those things, then we can know. So we're doing those things and it says, And this is how we know that he lives in us. And we know it by the spirit that he gave us. So this is how we know. This is how we can have rest. This is how we can be, have peace. This is how we can be assured of eternity. This is how we can be assured that we're walking in the kingdom forever. We're doing these two things. If we're not doing those things, maybe we're not as assured. So, I love it in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29 as we're wrapping up here. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest in your souls. And that's what I want. I want rest. I want peace. I want a purpose. I want to be forgiven. I want to be loved. If, if you're similar to me, it seems clear what we need to do. Right? So again, I don't think I, I, don't think I said anything here that was like earth-shattering or that like, you know, that, uh, no, that we didn't already know. I guess I'm just here to encourage us to take the things that we already know and continue to apply those things daily in our life. Humble ourselves in those things. See, God's plan for us, we talked about earlier, is to spend eternity with him and relationship with him. And not just in eternity, but right now. His plan is not for you to be away from him and to go to hell. He actually says, over my dead body, will you go there? Right? Um, he's, he offered his body. His plan is to be in fellowship with us, imparting his love and his wisdom, and that's to be shared with others. All of that gives us forgiveness and peace. So whether you believe in him today or not, hopefully you do, I would tell you this, he believes in you. And that's good. Hang on, I gotta write this down. <laughs> he believes in me. Okay. So, then that's kind of regardless of what you do. So he loves you. Danny gave a powerful testimony of one of the moments that we can be proud of in this church, of showing love to somebody. He felt love when he came here. I'm hoping others feel the same way. Amen. That's a challenge to us. Can we do that? Can we continue it? Was it just a one-time fluke thing that we showed love once to other people? Maybe people that we didn't necessarily agree with. Because let me, get, let me tell you this. I don't always agree with Danny. I mean, it's usually over like, you know, it was the ball in in volleyball or was the ball out in volleyball? I don't agree with him. It was out. But it's okay. I still love him. And so as we're closing up today, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. We're landing the plane. I love you guys, and I'm making a commitment to you. I want to show love to not just the people in this room, but as we leave today and go about our day, right? How can I do that? What are the opportunities we can do, right? And maybe this sounds like a little cliche, but I think it's important just to, uh, just to remind ourselves. And as we go today, our prayer partners can join us up. I love that we typically say this uh, every, every Sunday, but may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. Thank you, everybody. Have a great afternoon.